and welcome to The Weird and the Strange, for all things weird and everything strange. Um, I'm Nikki, and I'm here with my friend Dev, Hello. and it's Dev's episode tonight. I've done my homework! Yeah, Finally! So. Oh yeah, we have to apologise for missing out on an episode. Yeah, that was sorry. totally my fault, so I'm very sorry. If it's any consolation, we were drunk, it was fun. We were very drunk. <laughs> we had a lovely John Fromday. We did have a lovely John Um Okay, so today's episode is about a man who... Had he been alive today, would definitely be your husband, Nikki. <laughs> and we'll go into why after a short introduction of the great, the mighty, the brilliant Harry Houdini. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know where that was going. <laughs> I was like, Attila the Hun? <laughs> what are you saying, dude? <laughs> so, Harry was born Eric Wise in. 1874 in Budapest to a Jewish family and then they later moved to the US and the 1880 census said the family lived on Appleton Street in an area that is now known as Houdini Square. (laughs) Um, So when he became a professional magician he decided to call himself after the French magician Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin after reading his autobiography because he incorrectly believed that adding an I at the end of Houdin meant like in French so like ish <laughs> it should be Houdini-ish Houdanish that's fantastic because it basically in Italian it's just many Houdins <laughs> or Houdans um, and then Harry was in in homage to Harry Keller who he also admired but I don't know who that is so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some of his most daring illusions and tricks included Belly of a Whale Escape, and this Ooh. was performed in 1911 in Boston. So Houdini shackled in handcuffs and leg irons and then sewn inside a whale's belly. And then 15 minutes later, Houdini emerged victorious, although he actually nearly suffocated on an, on arsenic fumes, which had been used to embalm the whale. <laughs> so that could have gone horribly wrong. So did he come out of its mouth? Did he come, like... Through? No, I think it just appeared. Oh, so he like got shackled. They shoved uh. him in the belly, and then he was like, "Hi, guys!" Oh my god! Yeah. It would be so cool if he came out of the mouth, though. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been. <clears> cool. I'll let him know. I would have, uh, you know, as his as his wife, I would have given him the, these yes, notes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that we, we'll come to why in a bit. I know you're wondering. It's not because of these. Uh, <laughs> Um, so another one was the overboard box escape. Within 57 seconds, Houdini escaped from a packing crate weighed down by 200 pounds of lead in New York's East River. He was also handcuffed, leg ironed, and then the crate was nailed shut. So when the crate was pulled out of the water, the crate was completely intact with Houdini's discarded manacles inside. Mm. Uh, escape from it. also all of these escapes are not why he'd make your he could leave really easily it's yeah, like exactly. um... <laughs> you're like you know, and he's like see ya <laughs> And so another one was Escape from Murder's Row. So in 1905, he was put in a jail cell in Washington, D.C. The guards stripped Houdini of all his clothes and handcuffed him before putting him inside, him inside the cell. It took only two minutes for him to escape. So he used the last 90 minutes to open the eight other locked cells and switch the pis- prisoners around and lock them inside again. <laughs> so he wasn't arrested. It was just part yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all of these... <laughs> 
While certainly sexy feats of wild adventure are not the reason why he would make a good partner for you, Nikki. No, no. It is for the other little-known reason that Houdini was a massive, big, Darren Brown-style paranormal debunker. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So it all started in 1920 when his mother died and Houdini was devastated by it. So trying to find closure, he would often frequent her grave and try to speak to her beyond the realms, the spirit. Mm. But he soon began, and then he soon began seeking communication with her through a spiritualist. But being the great illusionist, he became really frustrated that they were just using techniques that he himself had used in his shows. So realising that these people were potentially just making money from people in a vulnerable place in their lives, um, he set out to try and debunk them. So he himself was always honest and his magic, that his magic was simply a trick and an illusion. So he never claimed that it was anything other than that. That he had any magic powers or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. He also said that he had an open mind and he wanted to protect people from charlatans. So rather than debunk the paranormal altogether, it was actually just trying to debunk people trying to make money out of it. So, in fact, he continued to attempt to communicate with his mother through seances or other means. And although he still remained a sceptic and joined the Scientific American Committee, which offered a reward for proof of the paranormal. Paranormal. Yeah, the paranoid. (laughs) But same. Yes. (laughs) So they offered a huge sum of money for, like, any proof, but the money was never collected. It's like, um, you know, Puzzling World in in New Zealand. Um, there's like a place called Puzzling World so whenever um, you're skiing in South Island in New Zealand um, and the weather's really really dreadful, Mm. everybody's like oh no, what do I do? And so there's this place called Puzzling World which is just just near to Queenstown and uh, it's like the guy that runs it is like, it's all sort of um, you know, tricks of the eye, and uh, it's cool. got a maze and stuff like this. It's really fun. It's like a good thing to do yeah. when you're bored. And on a rainy um, day. but the guy that that set it up, um, he uh, he has also given a reward. He said, "I've buried like a gold bar on my property," and uh, you know, he offers like an open invitation to any psychics or uh, mediums or whatever oh. to come along and to you know find it, find it, and he they like you know he'll give them a reward, and it's like nobody has ever nobody's done, done it, no, never. Mm-hmm. It's like it's amazing, you know. Yeah, wow. yeah. So on the so he was really good friends with Sir um, Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, you know the writer of Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. and he massively believed in in all. Of course, in all he is. He's famously Scottish. <laughs> oh bloody hell! Inadvertently got Scotland in. <laughs> <laughs> you fell into my trap. <laughs> <laughs> so Doyle, like, was... Basically, it's you and me, but I'm the Scottish one in this situation. <laughs> this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so they had, like, really good-hearted arguments but about all of this, but they did remain firm friends until Doyle actually started to believe that Houdini himself was magic and their relationship <laughs> came quite strained um, with Doyle claiming... Yeah, so... Sorry, this is written so poorly. Doyle claimed that Houdini was a powerful spiritualist medium using his powers to block other mediums. Mm. So he was like, I know you're trying to debunk them, but I don't believe you. It's because you want to be the greatest Houdini in the entire world. But also because... I'm also not magic, just FYI. Yeah, I don't believe you. (laughs) I actually control the ley lines in my head. (laughs) But, um... He also, because Houdini refused to expose the methods being used, his um, 
that just further concrete make further concrete in Doyle's mind that he was actually a powerful mm-hmm. spiritualist medium. So Houdini attempted to prove to Doyle that this was mere trickery and he had a private show. Um, and he said to Doyle, um, so he set up a ball, a paint and a board. And then he said to Doyle, go and leave and walk around the block a few times and en route, write something on a piece of paper and then put that in your pocket and then come back. So he did that. And then the ball was then dipped in paint and laid out on the board where it proceeded to spell out the exact message Doyle had in his pocket. See, Houdini said, not supernatural, it's a trick. (laughs) And then Doyle went, no, no, that... That, that's so weird. Like, how the hell did you did that, do that? And Houdini was like, no, no, no. A magician doesn't really reveal his secrets. <laughs> and Doyle's like, well, how is this proof? You just showed me you are magic. <laughs> it completely backfired. Either that or it's like, you know, it's like when it's... Um, it, think of a vegetable. Yeah, and carrot. Then, yeah, exactly. Everyone <laughs> immediately thinks of carrot. It's like, name a tool hammer <laughs> you have to go out of your head like go out of your way yeah. to not think of yeah. a carrot I don't yeah. know why it's yeah. like it's the first thing um, so there he was trying to debunk spiritualists and mediums and also trying to debunk himself <laughs> <laughs> but not able to sort of like reveal his secrets yeah he's like stuck between a rock and a hard place mm. but I don't know why he just didn't give Doyle the bit of the whisper about how he did it yeah exactly I mean even Darren Brown does on his shows yeah right? But then he he does the same thing though because he goes this is what I'm doing this is what I'm doing yeah and yet still manages to surprise and shock you yeah, like, yeah exactly it's, it's brilliant um, but the weird thing is it's like Sherlock Holmes is like really rational yeah I know like really really rational it's not well, that well Doyle thought he was rational yeah obviously spirits exist <laughs> no oh obviously no I'm not gonna do it <laughs> what was that Liverpudlian <laughs> yeah. No, no. Well, <laughs> I need to learn to do accents. Um, so um, Houdini was was actually pretty good at debunking other mediums, um, but one nearly actually had him. So she was called Me- Mina Crandom. And so Arthur Conan Doyle was a big fan. So he said to Houdini, come and see her. I swear she's legit. And Houdini was like, mate, you think I'm legit, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um, uh, and then Doyle was like, no, 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 come on, come and check her out, you'll see. Mm. Disclaimer, dramatisation based on true life events, but not representative of the original <laughs> conversation. It's totes real, man. It's totes real. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> So in July 1924, Houdini, along with a panel of scientists and the editor of Scientific American, went to visit Mina Crandon. She was known for conjuring the voice of her dead brother, Walter, and extruding a slithery, viscous substance she called exoplasm from her nose and ears. Ooh. It also emerged from beneath the sheer kimono like a string of entrails, which is so gross. Oh, come um, on. <laughs> So one of the things that made her so convincing to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was her refusal to be compensated for her miracles. Mm -hmm. And Scientific American were about to give Mina their prize money after investigating her over 20 times, much to the horror of Houdini. So the panel entered a room and were greeted by Mina, who took her seat within a three-sided screen, lights dimmed. Soon an eerie whistle filled the room and Walter whispered his arrival, even touching Houdini on the side of his right leg. 
Walter ordered an electric bell, which was enclosed in a wooden box to be brought to Houdini's feet. And then Walter levitated the box and boomed, have Houdini tell me where to throw it. So, uh, so Houdini said, well, throw it towards me. And it crashed through the air and crashed in front of him. So throughout the seance, Walter rang the bell inside the box on command and tipped over the wooden screen. Now, this is like that um, the Vienna experiment thing that we went to see oh, in yeah. the vault. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah. We went to a magic show. It was really good. Yeah, and it was pretending to be like a seance, and they did things like knock over bottles and yeah, boxes made and a glass stuff. smash and things yeah. like that. Now I really enjoyed that and went with it and like yeah. Obviously, it was all magic and trickery, and they made no illusion no, yeah. of that either. But you were like, "Yeah, this is bullshit," <laughs> and I was just like, "Just go with it." I did go with it. You I didn't did. debunk Actually, it until Nikki afterwards. Got up on stage, I so. did. <laughs> <laughs> like because you guys, you and Eva were just like, "Oh, pick me, pick me." Pick yeah, me. No. <laughs> I was like, really wanted to go up. <laughs> so yeah, it was much better to do. It. But I did. I was. I went along with it. I was like, "Oh, that was freaky," until I went out, and I was like, oh, "This is what happened." Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he did, Houdini, being the clever man that he is, had done his homework. So he knew that Dr. Leroy Crandon would be there, which was Mina's husband. He was her greatest promoter, often showing, which I think really weird, visitors nude photos of his wife when they came for seances. <laughs> like, check That's out weird. the tits on her. <laughs> like, it's a bit sort of like, you know, uh, just a distraction. <laughs> yeah, very weird. So Houdini knew that Leroy... Now, is it Leroy? Leroy? I don't know. Mm. Leroy would sit to the Mina's right and he guessed correctly that he, therefore, would be sitting on Mina's left in the circle that they'd formed. So he knew they would join hands and have feet and legs touching. So under under his trousers, Houdini wore a really tight bandage um, all day. <laughs> and the, I wonder where you were going with that again. Under his trousers <laughs> and calm down. I know he would have been your husband. <laughs> It was just a bandage. <laughs> and the reason why he did this was um, to... So it was really... The purpose of this was to be painful, thereby making his skin really tender to touch. So this heightened sensitivity meant he could feel the subtle movements of Mina as she moved her left ankle slightly to get to the bell box under the table. He felt the shift again as she tipped the Chinese screen with her foot and he knew he had her but needed more, one more seance to expose her completely. Really needed to see the next lot of nude photos as well. Yeah, probably. yeah, exactly. It was like one more time. Maybe I've not seen the whole like. <laughs> yeah, dirty boy. <laughs> so the second meeting happened at a Boston hotel, and there she made a table levitate. But Houdini reached out and found it was Mina's head lifting the table, which is really weird. I mean, strong head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when he raised his findings to the committee, they asked him to hold hold off before publicising. They were actually really conflicted. The committee was divided and this angered Houdini. It, it made Mina more of a charlatan in his, in his eyes that she was able to fool these prominent sci- scientists. So he was just like, yeah, don't give her the money and come on, like she's a charlatan. So he just went against them and published a pam- pamphlet called... Houdini exposes the tricks. <laughs> um, 
Oh, sorry, Houdini exposes the tricks used by the Boston medium. So complete with drawing, drawings of how she produced her manifestations. So Houdini even went to build a show around these tricks himself and he delivered it with mockery, much to his audience's delight. Amina, she was pissed, as was Walter. Mm. So a year later, in 1925, her husband pushed Mina to continue holding seances and she invited any of the doubters who'd read this pamphlet um, where she produced new manifestations, including a luminous jumping paper donut. <laughs> <laughs> you do get to the point when you're just sort of like, I mean, it's sort of like a magic off. Yeah. Like, as yeah, opposed yeah, yeah. to getting to the point of, you know, the, the people, reason reason people go to seances isn't to see a jumping neon <laughs> paper donut I don't don't even know what one of those is anyway (laughs) meanwhile her fans went on the massive offensive and they were threatening to beat Houdini to a pulp oh my god it's twitter trolling yeah but ye olde yeah (laughs) ye olde twitter trolling (laughs) Samina calm them down calm down guys let's let's check in with Walter and see what he said so on the on the August of 1926 he said don't worry Houdini will be gone by Halloween (laughs) That October, on the 22nd, Houdini was in Montreal to give a lecture at McGill University. He invited several students to visit him in his dressing room beforehand. He was resting on the couch when one of the students, Jay Gordon Whitehead, said to him, Are the rumours true that you can can withstand hard punches to the stomach? Houdini was like, Yeah, yeah, I can. And so Whitehead abruptly punched Houdini four to five times violently in the stomach. Houdini was still seated and had no time to prepare, leaving him in considerable pain. Because he's like, yeah, I can, but it's a trick. Yeah. So I need to like, <laughs> tense my stomach in the yeah. same way. And this guy's just like, douche. <laughs> oh, bear with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so over the next few de- days, Houdini complained of stomach cramps and discomfort. He kept breaking out in cold sweats and a fever. His wife begged him to seek medical attention, but he resisted, instead boarding an overnight train to Detroit. So he struggled through the opening night performance there and collapsed immediately after the final curtain. He was rushed to hospital where doctors removed his appendix, which had ruptured several days earlier. As he did not get it treated in time, it caused fatal damage and Houdini died on Halloween 1926. Just as Walter Mm. predicted. Whilst the official cause of death was listed as appendicitis called cause peritonitis and inflammation of the membrane lining the inner abdominal wall, multiple theories were bound about potential foul play. Many centred around the spiritualists who had previously threatened his life, but it also included the medical community and the question of whether J. Gordon Whitehead's punch was what had killed Houdini. What? Whilst there are some cases of traumatic appendicitis, this is incredibly rare, and so the conclusion was that perhaps Houdini just had appendicitis, but the pain of the punch masks a more dangerous pre-existing condition. Mm. So he's like, oh, he punched me, but actually he's also bleeding inside. Yeah. Now, Houdini, whilst a sceptic, still had a sliver of open-mindedness, so he made a pact with his wife. He arranged a secret code with her so that if anyone ever claimed to have been in contact with him after his death, the code would prove that it was actually him and not some psychic using a parlour trick. 
So every Halloween on the anniversaries of his death, close friends, relatives and his wife would meet for a seance to try and reach out to his ghost. His wife, Bess, continued this tradition for 10 years trying to reach him. She even offered $10,000 to any medium that could contact her dead husband and reveal the secret code. However, she grew weary and so her final official seance was on Halloween 1936. She declared, 10 years is long enough to wait for any man. (laughs) And I say, amen to that, sister. And so... This final seance she held on the roof of the Knickerbocker Hotel in LA. Nice. It's said that when the seance ended without success, a violent thunderstorm erupted, soaking the group with torrential rains combined with frightening thunder and lightning. According to legend, the mysterious storm was felt nowhere else in Los Angeles, only (laughs) directly over the Knickerbocker Hotel. And to this day... Groups of magicians still hold yearly seances to try to contact Houdini at the Knickerbutter Hotel. <laughs> and that is your... Houdini! Yeah, Harry My past husband. Houdini, your past husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, that reminds me of, like, you know how uh, Stephen Hawking had a, a party for time travel? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That, which yeah. I thought was really funny. That's, That's a good so idea. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Mm, we should tell each other a secret passcode that if we die. Yeah, but... Like, promise that you would haunt me if you died. Okay, promise. Yeah. yeah. Can I haunt you? Yeah, of course. I would, yeah. like, absolutely shit you up just to get you back for not believing Yeah, me. totally. <laughs> like, right in the mirror. I know. Um, I mean, this the, the irony, of course, is the fact that I really don't like horror movies because they freak me out. Yeah. Which is like, but, but I don't okay believe in it. <laughs> so that's the that's the irony. It's like, yeah. I shouldn't, they shouldn't freak me out because I don't believe in them. Like, don't scare me, but I will scare you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever goes first. Okay. Can I just knock stuff over in your house? (laughs) No, please don't. It's (laughs) It's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck's sake, Nikki. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can do nice things. Like, well, there's not really a cup of tea. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> I'm not going to be spending my afterlife doing that. No. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> cool. Well, what what I will be doing is uh, debunking all the things that like aren't 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 true from the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, you'll be like, this is true. This isn't true. Yeah. <laughs> there's no such thing as <laughs> as <flat me>. Cool. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. I, cause yeah. I, like, I only really know about him as a magician as a, and no, an escape exactly artist. Me yeah. All of this stuff. Yeah, because there's a um, there's like a a book by a guy called Christopher Brookmeyer, and he also has like a, a magician guy who uh, who does a load of debunking, debunking as Maybe well. Maybe it's based on Harry. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm. I think that Darren Brown definitely. Yeah, and does. Penn and Teller, I think, as well do do stuff too. I guess if you're at the top of your game, you can see what other people are doing. Yeah, it must be. Re- it must have been really frustrating for him because all he wanted to do <clears> was contact his mom and yeah. he's going to see seances, and he's just like, "Well, I know how you did that." Yeah, this isn't. This isn't. Wasn't worth it. Yeah, yeah. that's not what I don't want to be soothed. That's not mm. why I'm doing it. Well, it is why you're doing it, but it's yeah. not. In a way, it's sort of. In a way, it must be frustrating because you can say, "You know what you should do? You should do this for like entertainment." Yeah, and then rather than You're really, really good. Yeah, why don't you go on to Britain's Got Talent yeah. <laughs> rather than using it to con money out of pensioners? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, I want to speak to Derek. <laughs> Derek's here. Oh, Derek! Derek oh, Acor- oh my God! He's he just died yes. recently, hasn't he? Derek Acor, a Derek Anco- Acor- 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 Anaconda. 
I don't know. Akora? Akora. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Um, and everyone's like, oh, didn't see that coming. <laughs> Which is dreadful. Maybe he did. Maybe, Maybe he put he it did. in an envelope and put it in a teeth. Yeah. I forgot to give anybody the code. <laughs> <laughs> he should be on that. He should be, you know, dealing with that quite soon. <laughs> um Thanks very much. You're welcome. So thanks for listening, everyone. A short episode. I'm late, Soz. <laughs> Bye. Bye.